On this episode of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, you'll find Jimmy being joined by Kendall Norman to discuss some Baja stories, Dakar talk, as well as just some general tech advice. As always, there's Rooster Endo, which was pretty fun. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of good information in the show. So you're going to have to listen. That's right, because this is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. And I see you counted down on the chat. Yes. And then we are live. Okay. Yeah, yeah, better because it went from it went from seven minutes to to ten seconds. So welcome to Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. This is show number one hundred and sixty nine. And with us as a guest on this special show, we have none other than Baja One Thousand winner Kendall Norman. Hello, talk Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. It's a pleasure to be on back on your show from remote this time. Yeah, we were busy uh, setting up our screens. This is something that Ricky taught us to do last week, so we look cooler than uh, than usual. And uh, Matt completely screwed up the first thirty seconds of the show, so now he has more editing work cut out for him. Uh, yep. So tonight, this is the show where we talk about motorcycle and motorcycle related products. Of course, the show would not be possible without the help of some awesome sponsors. That is Yamaha, Takomoto, Scott Sports. I got to talk to Knowles. We talked, and I think I was supposed to send him something. Climb. I'm not wearing any Climb today. Uh, DDC, Trail Tech, Fast Company, Seat Concepts. Don't forget the Seat Concepts Hot Seat Hotline. If you want to call into the show and tell Kendall how fast he is, you can call in at 775-318-5515, right, Matt? Uh, not tonight. Oh, not tonight. Not tonight. <laughs> Next show we will. <laughs> Next show we're going to ha- have the uh, hotline set up. Yeah, yeah. Is, is this on you or is this on uh, what? You're just not technologically uh, set up enough to give us remote phone service. Uh, not quite yet. I would need some, uh, I need my own little soundboard to get that all set up. Okay. And then uh, from uh, there will so be... is the answering machine set up on this? Answering machine is, yeah. So if you want to call and leave a message, feel free to, and then we can play it live on air next show. Yeah, you can call on the answering machine. And Kendall, don't do this. Don't call yourself and tell everybody how fast you are. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. Uh, what else? You can support Dirt Bike Test by clicking through our Amazon and Rocky Mountain links. That really does help. It means that we can get more money. So I don't pay Matt. So he's doesn't have our stuff set up and he doesn't yep. tell us when the show starts. Although we did start on time. We did start on time. Uh, I realized what happened was I had muted my mic versus muting myself in zoom. So I was saying we were live for 30 seconds. Oh, uh, and then I realized my mic, my physical mic was muted, not the zoom mic. This it's almost as hard as riding a dirt bike, Matt. It's uh, almost as hard as picking up a dirt bike. That's that's really hard. <laughs> right. How's how's your back? Good, good. I can actually sit now without any nerve pain shooting down my leg. So we're we're, uh, we're doing good. good. So of course Matt uh, hurt himself without crashing. It's my specialty. He, he picked up a motorcycle off the ground, and uh, that's good. So are we live on? on uh what channels are we live on facebook by and the way. youtube facebook and youtube we are broadcasting right now to dirt bike test facebook page and the exe fe performance group 
right. As I'm actually looking to that to see how it's working and I'm not seeing it. May I have to reload? I can see how people have a hard time doing this. <laughs> uh, showing all, all showing everything's good on my end. Oh, yeah. here it is. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. This, this is why I'm the producer. <laughs> right. I've got it. So, and we have the chat scrolling up in the top corner. Like I asked. Okay. That was good. Yeah. It sounds like we're ready to start a show. Yeah. Yeah. So hey, if you're looking for uh, bulletproof designs parts, they have most of the stuff for the uh, 23. It seems like all the 23s are out now. Uh, KTM products pretty much swap over to all the other ones, Huskies and gas gases. So if you're looking to protect your bike up, check out bulletproof designs. And let's get right into some questions. Okay. So let's uh, let's just burn through these questions. If you have questions, uh, throw them up in the chat, and we will get right to those. But we're going to go to the ones that uh, the guy sent in earlier. Okay. So this is actually from the KLX two thirty RS impression video. Uh, David was saying it's a nicer bike than the CRF two fifty F, and he's saying it's much better suspension. Okay. Uh, uh, I, uh, that's what David says. That's what David says. What, what does Matt say? Um, I can, if you're very light and, or very slow, I can see where you would like the KLX suspension more. Uh, but I, I, I kind of, I really disagree with that. Honestly. I, yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree with what you said. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, <laughs> that CRF so is, I, I like that bike a lot more personally. Uh, I, I feel like a much more narrow market would prefer the KLX over the CRF. Where where is that? Where is that video? By the way, where's the the full on full beginner bike comparison video? That is in a Premiere file on my computer right now. It's a computer file. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, okay. Come, next, it is coming soon. <laughs> next question. All right. So from the Honda off-road intro, so uh, Casey Doer saying, uh, I personally love the AT81, not a motocross rider or anything, but it grips great in the mud, snow, roots, and silt. So this is someone who really likes the AT81. Kendall, what tires do you usually run? It varies. Free ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> sponsored, yeah. Sponsor, I like sponsor, free ones. Sponsored rider. So, so what, what's your current go-to tire? What, what, what are we, what are we running most of the time? So, I mean, I've been running some Kendos here and there. I've had a long time running Dunlops. And so I know the AT81 personally, like for the style of riding, I do more open desert. I really like the desert AT which is that old 739. It's like a 739. Can, can you still get that tire? Um, yeah, it's still available. It's hard to get. I think, I don't think there's a lot, there's not a lot of demand for it, but they're still making them. Yeah. I think, I think, the, I, like, I think I like that better than AT81. I, I, I mean, if I want to just put a, like a long lasting tire on, I could, kind of go AT81, but if I really wanted to go long lasting, I would sort of go like Maxis. Like those things last forever kind of tire, but I'm, I'm, 
I still think that the, the, for what the kind of riding I do, I like the Kendas, the Kenda Parkers. And yeah, the Kenda Parker is a great tire. I think they're every bit as good as the, the Dunlop AT81 in every aspect. And they just smoke them in braking and bump compliance too. That's the, that's the other area where I think. That AT81 is a great like tire for trail riding. Like you're, your weekend warrior average pace guy, I think is going to really enjoy that tire for me personally. Like I'm, I'm under more of a side load, like power sliding and really trying to get drive when you're at an angle and really turning. And so I've kind of shied away from it because it felt a little squirmy for my needs. So I like a little bit more of a solid tire with bigger contact patch to really like get that bite and drive. Yeah. Yeah. And tires, that's the thing is like tires are a personal thing. And when someone says, I really like this tire, I'm not going to try to argue them out of that tire. I, I, I'd like, but I'd like to know, like you just described, you said, I want a bigger contact patch. I want to slide the thing. I want to have good feel. I don't, I kind of, I tend to square the bike up. I don't, you know, I, when I want to slide, I slide, but, but I'm not trying to go fast. I want to point where I'm going and, and it's really important when I'm braking, like, like some people like to slide around a little bit when they're braking. I don't, I want it. I want it to, you know, the, to, to track. So it yeah, tires it's, are, it, it's definitely a personal preference and there are different tires for different conditions and different needs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I that's mean, why there's so many options, you know, go and explore the options and find what you works best for you. You know, yeah. do you, what do you think of the, all the gummy tires, the stickies? Do you, do you I, ever? I, I think in that condition, in, in like an enduro cross style or extreme enduro style race, I think they're awesome. You know, I think the big problem you run into with them is longevity. Yep. And obviously you want the tire to perform better when the going gets tough and, and you can sacrifice a little bit of high speed stability and grip because you needed to get you through those tough sections. So I like them. I don't, I don't ride that a lot, so I don't use them very often, but if I'm going to run enduro cross or some extreme enduro for sure. I'm going to run in one yeah, of those. It's, it's like, sometimes they're like cheating. They're totally, they, I mean, they literally, but then other times, like, you know, if that's the thing is if, like, luckily when I'm racing now, I'm not going that fast, but if I, I, I remember what it's like and I know what it feels like to go really fast across the desert and if you don't have like a pretty stout tire and it, it wallows like a, like an extreme enduro tire does, you know, so even, yeah, I'm, I'm, I kind of like a stiffer, I kind of like a stiffer, even extreme enduro tire than most people, but yeah, it's all good. So, Hey, uh, Mark Daniel says he bought three. He said, Oh, he said he bought the last three AT 739s at Rocky mountain MCA TV. Good job, Mark. Uh, Kendall will call you when he needs one. (laughs) (laughs) Another guy, uh, big tickets. Yeah. And uh, Sean Elliott says that their Rocky Mountain has a lot of stuff at 10% off. So if you are, you know, taking that Christmas wad of cash you got because nobody could buy anything for you and you're buying some uh, motorcycle stuff, click through our link on the website. It helps. And of course, uh, somebody wanted to know if Kendall was fast enough to ride the Husaberg 570. Have you ridden the Husaberg 570? 
I don't think I would swing my leg over that thing. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> I, the problem is I'm pretty sure you wanted to ride it, but it, 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 when you get around it, it tends to not run. Remember that day we rewired the whole stinking bike? You had a run for a minute where you've had some technical difficulties, but I have never had any desire to ride that thing. I enjoy watching you ride it. And yeah. I enjoy talking crap about it. I, well, I remember we, when, when <laughs> one of the first times when we were riding with you a lot, when we took you trail riding with the, me and Johnny, I had the, I think I had the Husaberg 650. It was, it was one of those uh, long-term test bikes. We had a dirt rider. And I think you were co- always asking me like, why would you ride that pile of crap? <laughs> Because you didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, y- younger Kendall was very opinionated, and 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 Honda or the highway. And I, when I saw that yeah. thing and how funky it was, I just was like, "Come on!" You know that 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 bike. Okay, so the five seventy is really good, but that six fifty. So there's a hill. There's a hill out in the desert someplace, and it's called it's called uh, SoCal downhill, and. I'm pretty sure in some way, shape or form, you've probably ridden down. A lot of us have ridden. I, I raced back then, but not on that particular one. Uh, that's the only bike I've ever been able to make upshifts on because it's a really long uphill. And usually you hit it in fifth, whatever you have, fourth, fifth, sixth, if you have sixth, and you're down to fourth and third. And then, and then there's places where you're in third and there's, you know, some turns and then some, some place where you can pick it back up. That's the only bike that I've ever shifted back up to fourth and back up to fifth, like where the bike started accelerating up the hill. And this is, this is good winter time traction where, you know, it's not just, if it was, if it's just bone dry, it's not going to do it, but it's soft enough to where it, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, jawbone Canyon type hill. Yeah. Climbs. I mean, I can think in my mind right now, I'll never forget recently when we raced up Oldsmobile and you raced all the factory oh, rally bikes yeah, on I forgot about that. <laughs> and smoked us every single time. Well, just, just two, just two. We only, yeah, well, we, did, we only did. We two had to take a second shot just because we couldn't believe it. Right. And, and Andrew, and it Andrew was, tried. Andrew got really <laughs> close. He, he turned up his map on his, you know, his factory rally bike. So he turned up his map a little bit. And, and, uh, um, and <laughs> when we got to the top, he never let off because he went flying by me <laughs> right past the top and said, see, I beat you. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, that, that bike had a hundred, you know, it's a, it's got a hundred more CCs of motor. So it should, it should do something. It's got some cojones. Yeah. So this is, this is true. I forgot about, I have a video of that. We played that on the show. We, I, 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 I think Ricky was in or something like that. And I, and he was talking about how fast his bike was. And I said, I got something to show you. <laughs> his mom, his mom shot that video too. That's what's really awesome. He's like, how'd you get that? <laughs> so uh, let's see. Uh, Gregory Edinger says it would be nice to invite others to this show. Is there a way, uh, Gregory? Uh, Matt is <clears throat> Matt's going to respond to that one. Uh, Matt, yeah, I mean, there 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 is a way, uh, but I want I'd rather keep it to uh, to, to close friends of the show, a manageable uh, level. 
manageable level because like if you want to manage all the the things I have to do to get the zoom to work with OBS, uh, then then be my guest. But, uh, I don't want to have to deal with it, deal with that. It, it comes with the, uh, the pay grade increase, right? Right. Right. So I could share a link, but I would be bouncing around so many different screens with OBS. It would be, it it would not be good. (laughs) Okay, you don't want to break the show. Yeah, there'd be a lot of shrinking uh, and resizing of people's faces. And uh, Curly Stoker, I like to mispronounce that name, says the IRC Jakota has been good for me. Get get Coda, get G E K K O T A, get get Coda, has been good to me. I did it for the first time. Try the Parker DT rear, and I let's see, and I did a lot of hard miles on it and liked it as well. So good. One of my suggestions uh, going through, I need to talk to them about coming on the show. Uh, okay. Do we have any other questions in the. Let's see from our YouTube comments. Uh, so oh, one... do we get, to... Oh yeah. That was the Honda off-road intro was the tire question. Yeah. 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 Uh, another Honda on intro question from crazy mountain bike rider. Honda needs to bring back the XR 650 R. I had one, but didn't want to buy an aged bike. So I got the 2022 CRF 450 RX instead. And it's a good bike, but I preferred the XR, to be honest. Those CRFs drink some fuel on the road. I find by the time I've got off-road, I've chewed through the fuel. Chewed through the fuel. <laughs> that's a new, that's new. And Kendall, XR 650 or CRF 450? Um. I'm a I'm a firm believer of let the past be the past. Uh-huh. I mean, there's a place for that bike, but it needs to have a license plate on it and it also needs an electric start. So if there was like a street legal version of it, it would definitely has its place and it's definitely an awesome motorcycle, but uh I'm okay with the the current bike situation we have. Yeah, I I have a I have an XR650 with an electric start. So, um, and Heather won't let me sell it because it's one of her favorite adventure bikes, but she hasn't ridden it for like two years now. So, um, we've got to, uh, check this out and see if there's something better. So Joe on the, on the chat says any experiences with the moto minded Evo squadron sport or squadron pro headlights for the current gas gas bikes. So, uh, Joe, uh, I have not put them on a gas gas, but um, all of the KTM products will pretty much you can you can either hook the bike, hook the light up directly to the battery or plug it right into the stock wiring harness. And as long as your your bike you know has a headlight to start with, you should be good or the bike will put out. Let's put it this way. The bike will put out enough power to, to run the headlights and to keep charging the battery. So you're, you're good there. The, the moto minded headlights are generally basically Baja designs. And I think the, the, I have, I'd have to look specifically at the, at the, um, which one, but we run the squadron in inside the, inside my motor mind setup, we run, which is the, which is the bigger of the, the squadrons. Is that the pro or is there like one, is there one version higher? There's an XL, right? 
XL. That's the talking one. Talking Baja Designs. Right. There's the Squadron XL, and that's the one that's usually in the Moto Minded because it's a bigger, it's a slightly bigger um, light. And that's really good. It's mostly better. Because, well, it's better because it's a bigger light. XL80. Everybody's helping me out with this. Um, but you can angle it. And it's really easy to go in and just by pushing it. So, because you guys run, what, two XL80s on your Baja bike? Uh, yeah. The exact model, I don't quite remember. But it's a racer edition XL80, I believe. Yeah, and then and then and then, are you running two different color lights or single color? Um, we're running uh, the the natural color, so no no yellow, no yellow. Yeah, and then there's um, one of the lights is all spotlights, and then the other one has two spotlights on top and two floods. Right, because the Baja designs you can change the lenses. You just the XL. I think I think most of the squadrons. And the XLs, they have an interchangeable and you can buy different setups and some of them are all one, all the other or split 50, 50. And that's, and the, that's the reason you run two lights is a, if you have a failure, you've got a, another light setup, but then you can have that, that pencil beam to go, you know, shoot way out there. And, and that's what they spent a lot of time working on is just getting the focal lengths, right. And things like that. So, yeah, I, I think, it really depends on it's kind of it's kind of it's really easy equation when you're talking about the lights. The more money you spend, the better, the more power, the better light you're going to get. And when you're talking about the 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 moto minded setup, it just makes it a little bit more adjustable. Instead of just kind of bolting in and then having to adjust it like with the you know in set it and hold it in one place, it allows you to it has like some friction setup so you can kind of angle it. You know, like what do you guys? Do you have the big knobs on your on your light setup? Yeah, there's some knobs on top, but we usually just set them and forget them. It's just amazing like how far lights have come from back in the old days. And these new Baja Designs lights are so good. And that XL80 Pro, whatever, it's like, I think for 95% of the night riding you're going to do, that's plenty of light. Yep. With yeah. two spots and two floods, like all, and that's the, all, that's... all night, you're good. Yeah. And if I'm, so if I'm, if I'm doing like anything over 50 miles an hour, I run mine with the split setup. So half flood, half spot. But if I'm just in the trees, like all doing technical stuff. So depending on where you're riding, I run all flood. And a hundred, a hundred percent. I agree with that because yeah. when you keep turning and turning, you want that light to be focused you, wide. You want it to be everywhere and you don't want the beam to be out there because you, your eyes start getting attracted to where the beam is pointed. Dude, and, and then get it, dizzy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, too, it's like, it's like there's too much spot and you want a little bit more flood. So it's the, the lights are all good and they're set up and there's some other companies. Uh, someone, isn't there a question about this uh, in the questions, Matt, or no, you know what I saw? I just saw a post on, on, uh, uh, EXE FE performance. This is a uh, taco Mike's uh, group that we're broadcasting live on Cameron Cotney, who I know from back a long time. He's also a journalist and stuff was asking about like an inexpensive light. So the other side of the spectrum, and I noticed he had the picture of the Acherby's headlight uh, with it's a square led array and stuff. And I, that's what I put on my bike at. I raced when I did King of the motos two years ago, I got one of the first ones and they didn't have a night race that year, but I just wanted to have a headlight on my bike because I was riding it around at night and stuff. 
I was blown away by how good that, and it's a, I think it's a hundred and something dollar light. I was blown away by how good that yeah, light is. Yeah, so a, a side note, like I went, when I went down to Baja this year, pre-running, I brought my buddy Tyler Behrman with me and he was trying to get a Baja Designs light, but it was way back ordered, like two months, never got it in time. And he's sponsored by a charity. So he had that light on his bike. And it's it, it, it'll get you down the street maybe, but it's not the light. And I got to give a plug to uh, Night Rider because I, I, I'm a sponsored Night Rider guy and I, I run Night Rider for yep. backup. And also if I need it, I'll use it. But he ordered a Night Rider and was able to get that in time before going. And if he didn't have that, was it that the helmet light, the helmet light, the helmet right. light was probably five times more powerful than a Cherubis light. And it was just a single. So the Cherubis was that square. Cause he, he bolted square on, covered on a K- in little led things right, on a KTM. Yeah. It's uh don't buy that light thinking you're up, you're going to get like a budget <laughs> light because you will not have a good time night riding. Well, you're, it depends on what you're comparing it to. Cause I was going to, I was going to say, I was surprised at how good of a light it was for, for that price. Like, okay. For the price. Yes. And like, it'll, you know, it'll it's get, probably a perfect light. Like if, if it gets dark on you and you're, you've got to ride down the street a little ways, you know, whatever, or you got to ride half an hour, an hour at night, like you are going to make it and it's going to be fine. But if you don't know what a good light is, you might be okay. But knowing what a good light is, that ain't it. I went riding with this guy last week. His name's Trevor Hunter. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we went riding. We had a Honda 450X and a 450RX. And at about three o'clock, we were still kind of heading away from my house. And he said, he said, you know, it's 315. <laughs> and I didn't. And, and then I kind of got a little bit worried. And I go, well, you know, you're going to run out of one of three things. And I know which one it's going to be tonight. <laughs> Daylight. And, and uh, I was on the X at that time. So I wasn't really concerned, but we were going to switch bikes when we got gas. And so, yeah, it became a problem, but you, you can, yeah, you can. Uh, uh, okay. Troy Hicks says a Cherby's light equals Jose Cuervo gold. <laughs> if we're putting on a tequila scale. You're exactly right, Troy. That's <laughs> hey man, brother. It, hey, when you but when you need it, it's there. It'll it'll do Yeah, I, don't plan I, on doing any serious night riding, but it's gonna get no, you down the road. It'll get night. you there. So yeah, and it's so it's better than the stock uh 450X headlight. I know this. I agree with that. Yeah, so the stock headlights, the stock headlights will get you back in. That the Cherubis light, it does. It actually has a pretty good spread, like the side spread on it. It doesn't have very much throw. Its throw is actually pretty weak. You're going to run out. Of, I would say you're going to run out at 45 miles an hour. Yeah. And the your- thing about night too, like it's so much more complicated navigating and everything looks completely different. And so finding your way, unless you know where you're going, even if you know where you're going is a lot tougher. So you definitely like, need a good amount of light so you can kind of get some references and landmarks and just a good, a good idea of where you're going. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I used to be so into lights and I mean, did you ever get to ride the old, the, the old double CB 
Oh yeah. Bruce bike. Yeah. The, 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 what I, I actually, I think I have a set of those lights. I think I still have a set that I somehow yeah. got, you know, through the, through the chain of getting passed down stuff, but those are really good back in the day. And it took a long time to, to come up with those, but they were really heavy. Yeah. The magical thing about those lights was the color of them. It was a very like natural daylight color and the vibrations of bumps and the road and all that didn't like it. When you get a really bright light there, you see the light moving and it makes you dizzy and it, and it really hurts your eyes. Like my eyes, they, they kind of get tired with a really bright light. And so when you've got a softer light, more natural, it doesn't get affected by the bike going up and down as much. And yeah, you can ride all night long and then trans, you know, go into the daytime and not have sore eyes. Yeah, it's it. And that's the the thing is when we were talking about those those lights, there was there was a color temperature. And this is something when Alan Roach was just getting into the lights. You know, he was he was wondering, like, why we would run those. And, you know, he was starting to play with this HID thing. And the HID was great because it was really bright, but it was hard to focus they would shut off instantly when they turned off. It's like the arc went away. And, and then, and then he was always curious. So when led started coming out, he would send me some stuff and it was like, he, you know, they, they, they really hadn't gotten into adjusting the color temperature, but Alan knew that he could, and they would get these ones, like you said, were more like daylight and he'd send it to me. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, you go, Hey, can you send that light back? And I'm like, no, I really like it. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, Oh, we, we kind of want to measure the color temperature on that one. Cause we know you like it. Cause usually he was sending me these ones that were super white and super hot lights. And, uh, I was, I was like, I'd send them back. No problem. <laughs> I'd say, I'd say, yeah, this is good, but it needs to, you know, it does this or does that. And, uh, but yeah, that's, that's a, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. And we were, and then when me and Johnny were racing the, the Grand Prix and stuff at night, we had those little teeny, you know, halogens things that we were running. They were kind of, we had to keep them under, keep them under a wrap because we didn't want anybody to see what we had. <laughs> that was the, we, that was the light we used to win the 24 hour on the XR 600 of all things. Yeah. Technology's come a long ways and these so LED much. lights are really good. Yeah. Like that light we had that we had that uh, on that XR 600, like the Baja designs, squadron not the squadron pro the low you know the the lower price one i think it's 250 bucks or something like that is way better than the stuff that we were running on that bike so yeah um cool so uh i saw another question pop up here kendall does the does your honda team run the stock cam in the race bikes I'm not, I, I mean, I believe we, we run a RX cam in it. So it's a stock Honda part, but it's so not this, this stock cam. Yeah. So if, if we're talking the X. So what, what bike did you race? An X or an, I heard you I raced, raced an, an L. SLR, an SLR X. An SLR X. So it's, so it's, but it, it started out as an X or did it start out as an L? It started as life as an X, but basically had, you know, because Mexico, you don't have any of these regulations with the environmental stuff. Right. So they open those things up all the way to get you're, full. You're, you're full race motor. Yeah, full race motor. So it's, it's basically like, you know, your R, RX motor, 
are just top end, let's say. Yep. And so yeah. it, it uses that cam, which, you know, these, these power plants, these, these motocross bikes are coming with are more than enough. Yep. To do what we needed to do. And uh, so it's, you had six speed, six speed gearbox. Yep. Yep. And then uh, do you like it better than the old, the 2008 <laughs> 450X? Um, yes. I mean, again, I love that old bike. Right. And there are things that there's things that bike does that are super magical, but I'm going to let the past be the past. And uh, I, I enjoy modern technology. And honestly, the reliability to the, of this bike is second to none because of just the technology of engines and where, where they've come. And it's just pretty amazing. I mean, the piston on this bike is so much stronger and more bulletproof than the other one, like 250 hours on the thing. And I, we would top end and I was like, it'd probably go another hundred if I wanted it to. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Cool. So if you have any questions uh, like that for Kendall, he'll do the best to answer because you're just, you're just a hired gun at the, at the moment you go, you go where the money's at. I mean, yeah, I go, I go like, yeah, they asked me to do that race. And I was like, I mean, for me, it's like, I have my reserves, obviously been there, done that. It's not like something I'm trying to prove or anything, or I don't like have to go do it. But the same time too, I like the challenge. I like, something to train for goal oriented kind of person, like, and just to go through that is fun. How many, how, so how many Baja 1000 wins do you have now? Eight. Eight. It's getting up there. So yeah, I was looking at the overall for that and it's like Johnny Campbell, 11, you got Larry Rossler, 10, and then Steve Hengefeld and I are tied for eight. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, the, the, I just heard it was beat this year, the course. Super beat course. Like, <laughs> you know, obviously with land issues and ranches and every day there's a new fence in Baja somewhere. And so I think score has to go and set the course for the year. Like they're going to run these roads all year long. Like this is what they got a permit to do. Yep. So when it comes time for the thousand, they basically make a, a mix up of all these races and, <laughs> and connect, connect the courses. And so, yeah, you might have some sections that were refreshed by the rains, or maybe this one road didn't get run, but a lot of the stuff had been run that year. So, and with side-by-sides nowadays and high horsepower trophy trucks. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Cause I feel like trophy tech, Trophy truck technology has come a long ways from where it was 10 years ago. Like that, even bikes have come a long ways, but I feel like trucks have advanced way faster in this last decade than bikes. And so these guys are really able to get after it and do big damage to the tracks. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so how many more, how many more thousands you got in you? I mean, if this is the last one, this is the last one, but Next year is looking pretty interesting with a point to point starting in La Paz and finishing in uh finishing in Ensenada. So that probably is on my radar just because of what it is. Yeah. And I mean, personally for me, I enjoy Baja Sur. I don't really enjoy the North as much, which this race kind of refreshed the, my 
I'm the same way. <laughs> it's just a lot more dangerous and a lot more traffic and a lot more things going on. And it's harder to find that rhythm. Like, or it's harder to like really ride. Like, I don't know. You're stoked on how you rode. Cause you just got like anxieties and stresses of possibilities. And yeah, I just really enjoy Baja Sur and Baja North is pretty. It's shoot up. <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah, I know. I know. Cause we're I'm working with Nora a little bit on the, on the Mexican 1000 and trying to find stuff. Cause that's kind of a race basically for vintage vehicles and, and it's more of a slower speed, you know, it's rally. It's a, it's a, it's a real easy map book rally and trying to find good, fun, smooth stuff, you know, that isn't just hammered is is difficult because there's only one or two ways through certain areas and they race it. And, but down South they've been, they started bulldozing the courses. They started requiring them to like they do in Nevada to, to run a bulldozer over it, which was, which was really good because there was a section that I wasn't looking forward to riding at all. And it had just been bulldozed. We, I mean, we were the first motorcycle tracks on it. We went and did the pre-run and instead of being like three hours of suffering, it was two, and a two hours and 15 minutes of super fun. So yeah, good times. Yeah. That needs to happen more, more, more freshing the track up after races for sure. Hey, Kendall Martin Gomi wants to know what was your best win? The best win I'd have to say there was a couple good ones, you know, but I'd say 2010. Yeah. Just cause it was a point to point. And Quinn and I took that on just the two of us, which is how you used to do it back in the old days. You know, when men were men, you know, you split the uh, thing yeah. in half. <laughs> you know, one guy goes to El Arco and then that guy goes to La Paz. Yep. So I, I had to give that camel guy a break, though. I had to I had to drive for like six hours up north to let him take a pee break for 60 minutes while I did a small section. But other than that, we split it in half. <laughs> Yeah, but 2010 was good. I, I really liked, you know, I, I rode a lot. It was pretty much like the peak of my racing, I would say, during those times and my fitness and, you know, taking down like 650 plus miles, 690 miles and Quinn doing the other 400 was was pretty rad. Yeah, you can't let him on the bike that much because he'll break it. Yeah. And then the elements that time too, were just so gnarly with the fog. I rode like 150 miles of fog down South and it about killed me, but I made it through and <laughs> yeah, I mean, just feeling, feel good to survive that. Hey Matt, we got one more question on the, uh, yeah, on the sheet. Let's shift gears from, uh, XT from Baja to XT two fifty. Yeah, so this is the XC250 view. So John Millstrom Jr. was saying it was a great review. The XC250 is a great first bike or last bike. He's had dozens of, bike, dozens of bikes over the years, and at 54, it's a lot of fun. Not sure if it'll be his last bike, but he doubts he'll ever sell it. Good way to derail the show, right, Kendall? Quit talking about Baja and start talking about an, an, the Yamaha <laughs> XC250. Hey, Yamaha Yamaha is a sponsor of the show. So we got to answer all the Yamaha questions and we can't say anything bad about it. In fact, we have to probably say that that could be the best bike ever, right? Cause they're a sponsor. They actually want us to talk about like, you know, YZs and everything, but we, <laughs> 
I, I had Trevor pick that up because it was for me. It was for us to test, for Matt to test, yep. and he won't give it back. He said so he might Trevor actually get, buy it. Trevor gets all of the, the, the top flight bikes. He's riding the YZs and, and, you know, KXs. And I think he's turning into a Kawasaki guy actually, but uh, he's getting all these different bikes. He gets the XT says, no, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to, I'm going to hang on to it. So uh, yeah, good, uh, good, good times. So Matt, when's that, when's that, uh, that, that comparison coming out? Uh, pretty soon. <laughs> right. Pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, Matt did the uh, end all be all um, beginner bike comparison. Well, like mid, mid size beginner bikes. Yes. Yes. So yeah. that's dropping soon. Any secrets for goggle maintenance in the dry sand? Says Speed Toad. Uh, yes. There's a goggle called this Scott. They call it the dust, don't they? I believe it's called the Scott dust goggle. And it's, it's probably the best goggle I've ever used in dusty conditions, just because it, it comes with thicker foam around this, around the thing. And somehow it's still bent. So it doesn't fog up. Uh, Scott is a sponsor of the show. So I'd like to like to say that uh, and get the amplifier lens when you get it. So, and why is a Scott goggle so expensive? Cause it's made in Utah, made in the United States. So, but other than that, uh, if you're going to run a substandard goggle with a crappy foam, you can always put baby oil on it. You ever do that Kendall? Oh yeah. Yep. Baby oil on the, uh, on the foam. So it acts a little bit like a, an air filter. I mean, sand, sand and dust are two different things, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Are you, yeah, are you, I wonder, well, like dust and silt is, that's the worst. And for, for me, the other thing that works really good is uh, like a Rain-X coating on the lens, on the, on the front of the lens, like an anti-static. And that way, like a lot of the dust will actually blow off. I've, like at rally speeds. If I've been in dust before, I could turn my head sideways and that it would literally blow most of the, you know, if the goggle was dusty off, if it was a really good, like rain X lens. So that, that helps. Um, any other options, Kendall? Um, I mean, yeah, for, I've never tried rain X for dust. I use that for rain. And it yep. works awesome for that. Yeah. And well, it works. It, it, it's a great coating to put on your damn goggle lens because then, then if it's muddy, you know, and it's raining, it runs off and literally turn your head sideways and go. And you'll learn a yeah. little bit about the aerodynamics of your helmet too. I think my go-to would be Plexus. I usually keep a spray can of Plexus just to clean the outsides, gives it a little of that anti-static slipperiness. So if you need to wipe it to get the dust off, you can. Armor all works too. You can rub that in and polish it out and that makes it super slippery. So you get quite a bit of wipes with your glove to clear the dust off of it. Uh, I've seen people use static guard also works. Um, and then, I mean, if, if you're talking about sand, like sand dune sand, I've made like a duct tape tear off to kind of close the, the gap between my helmet and my goggles so if I know I'm going to be getting roosted, I don't get the sand going in above my eyes. So then it doesn't fall in and get in my eyes. And then once I clear the sand dunes and I'm not with a bunch of riders, I can rip that off and got normal goggles. 
Sounds like Utah hare and hound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> I used I used I used to race a 125. And so, but I would just have I would just have a really weird line through the dunes. Like I would spend a lot of time pre-running my bomb there. A lot of time. So but uh yeah, most of the people in the chat, Kendall, said that you just be first and then there's no dust that way. So you, you, you always hope for the best, but you have to plan for the worst because sometimes things don't go as planned. Things don't go as planned. Correct. So, uh, Matt, do we have any other questions that have popped up across your screen? Any place? Uh, not on the YouTube space. Uh, let's see oh. here. Just from the chat. Not really. Nothing. Really. You've kind, been, kind of, kind of quiet out there. You've been, you've been crushing it with the uh, like as as the questions come in. I've been crushing it. Yeah, yeah. Answering questions so that they don't get asked again. Uh, just get into the questions in the chat. Normally, that's that's my job. But you've been you've been doing it pretty good. Oh, good. Yeah. You know, trying trying to when the when the you know when things start having problems, I just step right up there. Hey, I had a I had a note that I wanted to talk with Kendall about it's, it's uh, like when I, when I modify a bike, when I start working on, you know, setting well modifying or setting up a bike. And I, I wanted to ask you about this. Like I spent a lot of time with the small, little, small things, like little things like, you know, handlebars I could spend, I mean, like a, a, I could spend a grand literally, from the top of the triple clamp, and this includes a steering stabilizer to the end of my grips. And every bike is a little bit different on how I set it up, whether I'm using it for, you know, higher speed desert stuff, or it's a trail bike. And it's not like, it's not flashy. It's the, but it's kind of the same on all my other bikes. So I sort of know it, but I was just thinking like, how picky are you with like stuff like that? Like whether it's bars or foot pegs or, the torque of bolts on engines. Yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, as far as controls and cockpit, I think that's very personal. And once you find what you like, you kind of stick to that. Obviously, like you said, if you're running a little bit different discipline or a different bike, you might want to adjust that a little bit. As far as the sweep and the rise of my bars, pretty much keep that the same. What, sometimes what, I'll adjust what, them back a little bit. Sometimes I'll adjust them forward. Maybe I'll go with a little bit taller bar, but the bend is going to be relatively the same. What bar bend do you run? Uh, I run the Renthal 996s would be my go-to bar. I would that's, say pretty much stock Honda, isn't it? Uh, it's close. a little different than stock Honda, but close. Yep. I would, I'd say a lot of the pro riders are running this bar. And amateurs and stuff, remoto beast. Yeah, I I just run a twelve degree fat, you know, flex handlebar, fast company bar with sweep. But like even down to like if I if I hop on someone else's bike, if the bar bend is wrong, it's just wrong, and it's like that's not for me kind of a thing. But then like if the lever is the wrong diameter, you know that that put like if it's a, squ a really square lever those bother me i like really small levers and they're rounded and i'll spend time like fixing all of this stuff and luckily stock bikes are pretty good they have mostly they don't have anything weird on them but i'll hop on someone's bike and they've got yeah i've got this you know this this guy's levers that make it easier to pull the clutch and i put my finger on them and it's like oh 
<laughs> you know, and I yeah. mean, yeah, I, I, I get I mean, it. I found what I like and I pretty much just set it up that way. You know, I get the lever like in from the grip, quite not a ton, but a good amount. So it lines up to that perfect spot and get my lever positioning, you know, just a little bit lower than flat, right where I like it. And my bars are pretty neutral where I like it. And as long as you just, you know, set it the way you like it feel pretty you get comfortable with it what uh what grips do you run john bailey uh, wants to know well he asked the best grips but what grips do you run i like the i've you know i've tried a lot of different grips and gotten blisters but i feel like for for off-road most of the time i'm running um Renthalful waffles soft yep. and then if i was to go like maybe motocross or enduro cross i'd dabble with the half waffles time to time the, the rental softs. And yep. I think for rain or mud, definitely always full waffles. Get a little more traction in case you go down. Yeah. I can't, I can't run full waffles. I'll get blisters. Yeah. Like, I just feel like I don't have to hold on as tight. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. They, they, they work for me. So, but they have to be soft. The hard ones are yeah. too much. Like a, so, so a stock Honda grip is a little bit too hard for you. Yeah. I don't, I don't like the stock Honda grip right now. The one they're using. Yep. Yeah. There's, it's the same thing. It's personal. I like, I like and, the, o, the ODI, the ones that come stock on the KTMs. So it's, yeah, a, the, it, and, and the, what's bitching about those is clamp on. Yeah. The, actually I just ran the ODI grips and Baja as Mark uses and they're good. I liked them. Mm. And you know, AME makes a nice grip too. Right. They're all just a little bit different. It's a preference, you know, it's also to your hand size. Some are thicker and some are thinner than others. And did you ever get some of those Amy grips that were so sticky that they, they super sticky ones that he made. Yeah. They're very sticky. And I've yeah. seen people who like spray them with contact cleaner or maybe like WD 40, make them even more tacky. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's something for you there. And what about, what about the rally grips? Do you ever run those? Yeah. And, and, and on the rally application, those foam grips are awesome. Which like, would you think that would be good for Baja? Mm, it's hard to say. I guess I haven't tried it. I haven't gone down that road to I've really got them. answer that question properly, but it could be. I mean, seems like everything's so violent and yeah, gnarly. Ricky, I mean, Ricky bought me like a six pack of those grips. He, he like, cause I, 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 I was like, yeah, I want to get some of those or something like that. And he just sent them over to my house. Now I'm, they're going on any of my long distance bikes they're on. And I, I just, I remember when I first went over there and they were, all, I'm like, take these off my bike. My very first factory rally bike, right? I'm like, take these off my bike. I I want regular grips. And they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, you know, just being a cocky, you know, factory rider guy. And they're like, uh, okay. So they just took them off and got me some regular grips. Like, you know, just like some half waffles that they had. And it was like, thought it was okay. And then we were doing testing. And so I was having a hop between a bike with those grips on. And my stupid bike with those stupid grips. And I was like, oh, now I know why they run these. So nice for that, you know, especially when you're really buzzing along. That's so funny. I think I think Ricky did the same thing when he first went over there. I think we all do. I think that's, <laughs> you just go, this is stupid. And then you wonder, like, that's why everybody has these on. And now I now I love them. They're so so good. Hey, got a couple other questions coming in. Uh, Kendall, are you anaerobic while on the bike during Baja or are you able to lower your heart rate to calm down? That's a good question. And I don't keep track of my heart rate 
when I'm racing Baja, I would, I would say there are some sections where I get anaerobic and then there are definitely some sections you're aerobic. My average, I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but you know, depending on the section for sure, there's times where you're maxed in the, in the hoops. Yeah. You're in the hoops and, 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 and you need sugar, you need some kind of snacks to get after you're done with that, to keep your energy up and whatnot. Um, and yeah, there's going to be times where, you know, you're cruising and droning down big roads where it's probably up there just because of your focus and concentration, but it's not maxed out. But now like hair and hounds, I think is a little bit different story where you get it up there and you keep it up there. Yeah. Pinned the whole time. Uh, JB black wants to know, is that mammoth behind Kendall? And the answer is yes. And I think he just put that up there because he knew that that tree broke my collarbone. <laughs> I, I, I came around the, I came around the, the, that's a John Miller tree turn. And, uh, I came around that and I, I don't, I, I don't even think I was going to pass somebody. I just came around to the inside. I kind of was probably trying to get a better line and it, it tapped my handlebar and pushed me over the high side and call, broken collarbone. And I, I, I just, it was just a little tip over and just blammo. I knew, uh, I knew it was over. <laughs> that was a bad, bad, little, bad little crash. So, um, let's see what tire pressure do y'all run for sand? I don't think it matters. <laughs> of all of all the places to worry about tire pressure sand is probably the least but i don't change my tire pressure ever for sand i mean i used to run a track out in lompoc actually seven deuce deuces track out of yeah. internet he had a track out there with a bunch of sand and i used to ride with nathan woods and the boys i i experiment dropping it down to like nine and eight i mean my truck was parked right there and there wasn't anything hard in the sand but I mean, it definitely helped get a better bite and, and I and wasn't you hitting. You, did, you didn't feel any wallow with the tire. I think the sand was so beach sand, like dune sand style. It didn't like matter. It, it was, it, it helped. But yeah. yeah, if I was going to hit a face of a jump and I had that low pressure, it'd be a bit scary. Yeah. I, I don't think I I've never, I, I did a test on an adventure bike where we started at 30 pounds and dropped in, you know, probably five pound increments. We just went down and down and down and it wasn't, I didn't notice a change in pressure until we were down to like five or three pounds, really, really low. I mean, I'm sorry. In I didn't notice a change in traction until we were down that low. And this wow. is a big, heavy adventure bike. It's not a, it's not a bike where you're being kind of aggressive. So the weight of the bike is the weight of the bike and you're, you can't really throw it around, but it didn't seem like it got any better traction all the way down till that low and that low with a bike. And this is on a tubeless, uh, you know, a, a no tube setup is on a BMW. If you hit something sideways or like went down in a bump and the bike wallowed, it would blow the tire off the rim. So it was too low to, to be able to get any, any advantage, but there was really even between like 30 and down to like 27, 35 down to 27, where I run them all the time on an adventure bike, no difference in traction whatsoever. Uh, the, the reason I run them lower is mostly for bump compliance, but then 
I've never really done that test on, on smaller bikes. Like you just talked about, but it's, it's, I, I think you just, you know, you, you don't want to go low enough to where you're able to pinch the tube or it's going to tear the valve stem or something like that. And hopefully have a yeah. rim lock at that as well. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to experiment with that, I definitely recommend two rim locks. So you can keep that tire gripping the rim. Yeah. If you're and, going and, that low. Yeah. And if you're going to take any big compressions, you're going to get a negative feeling from that. But if you're just trying to get traction, like when your truck's stuck in the sand and you let it down to six PSI or whatever to get out, it's going to have a similar effect. Dude, on, on cars, it's amazing how much lowering the tire pressure works. I'm blown away by when you get your, you know, get your truck stuck in the sand or something and you just air down. It makes a huge difference, but I don't notice this one bit on motorcycles. So call me strange, but that's, that's, that's what uh, I've felt before. Uh, next question. Has Kendall tried the moose plus tubeless setup? So I don't need, do you, do you know about this? That's a negative ghost rider, but I've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen it. And I think that concept's really good just because you can have that moose in there for impacts to protect your rim and give you something to back up soft pressure. Yep. So you can run extremely soft pressure and get the traction, but also have that like protection against a hard hit. Um, I know it's a lot more complicated to install. Right. I think this is a thing. Some of the extreme enduro guys have been playing with and the guys that use it are just swear by it. Um, I'm more of a play with a moose or use different mooses to achieve this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're racing, they, especially for desert, well, actually even for extreme enduro, they have a, good like one size fit you know you know that you can buy this moose and run this tire and you're going to get this performance and it's about as good as you're going to get i think the the moose and tubeless setup is a little bit for tuning you know to get that little last little bit of tuning for the extreme enduro guys but the guys that are running it like in baja or longer distance things it's more of a it's more of a just a preventative it's like one extra layer of, of making the stuff last longer because as the moose gets, starts getting, you know, a little bit tired, you can add a little bit more air to that inner tube and it, you know, puts pressure on it. And I heard the mooses last a lot longer uh, when they're in that, in that tubeless setup because they have the air pressure in there to kind of keep them separated, you know? So, so all of that, the, the force of the tire isn't all going on directly onto the moose. So there's essentially airspace in there. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Personally, for me, it's like, and it's a, a pretty expensive, like tubeless setup, I think is pretty expensive. Yeah. It's a and like double I said, the price. It's, it's super complicated and I'm going to be changing a moose and a tire every other day in Baja. Right. Like 450, 50 miles. I'm swapping it out and going for a fresh. So I don't really want to deal with that. And yeah, it's just one more thing I got to deal with, and the system I, I've we that's tried and true works. So why? Right, I and haven't John, really played with it. Yeah, John Bainley asked, "Do you run Moose and Baja?" And the answer is, of course you do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, DM Cork, DMC Cork says, "Possible Dakar Kendall." Um. 
Yeah. Someone asked me this the other day, you know, it's complicated. It's expensive race. And I just don't want to go over there like stressed out and, you know, like on a shoestring budget, barely making it there and, and having high stress starting the thing, but I'm not going to be able to retire racing until I do it. So it will happen. It'll happen one day. Got to figure out how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, I know a lot of guys that are spending a lot of money to go and do it. And, uh, and, you know, and the problem is, is like, is like, you know, you've, you've done enough training with us and you've been there and you've done, you've done everything, but race that thing is there's nothing to stop you from being able to go over there and do it other than how much it costs. And that's the, that's a, that's just a huge hurdle. I mean, especially when it's, you know, in Saudi, which is even one level farther away, it seems like. Yeah. I know it's a bucket list goal of mine. It's a, something I need to do. So I just got to commit, but I've spent money racing and, and, you know, it's, I'm totally okay with investing in myself and and making that happen, but I don't want to like have something bad happen, spend all my money. And yeah, I'm just a little bit more conservative with my decision-making when it comes to that, you know? Yeah. Go, go, go race a race and come back broke. (laughs) <laughs> or broken you know broke yeah broke I, I you know be in debt I, for b- bills and yeah. whatnot I, i've done all that <laughs> <laughs> i i like my first time was like sold my soul you know i didn't have any money so i couldn't pay for it i luckily i was a journalist and i i basically other people had other goals and they used me for it. You know, it was, it was ASO wanted an American rider. They couldn't get an American rider and I wanted to go do Dakar. So, okay. The organization wanted me KTM wanted more exposure for their bikes. Okay. In America, that kind of bike. Okay. I, I can be this. And it was like this triangulation of KTM ASO and my ability to be a journalist over here and sort of have the ability to go over and do well at it. Where the, the, I mean, it still cost me at the time. I don't even remember. I, I do. I kind of do. I think it was, I think it was six or eight grand to do the, the first half of the Dakar that I did the first time before I got the shits. Uh, and then the second time I got fourth overall and it cost me like two or $4,000. I don't remember how much, but it cost me money to, to get a position that most guys were get, getting paid a hundred grand. Easy to go to do that. And I was like, Oh, I'm not going back unless I got a contract. And so at that point I kind of drew a line in the sand. And so, but it was a, it's like, I, I know, I know these guys that they, they work really hard all year to save up their money and you know, their savings to go do it. And I, I get it. I understand that. And, and uh, you know, but it, for them, I mean, I, cause I don't even know the first time I went over there, I didn't know how I was going to do, and I didn't think it would lead to anything. I mean, but it was kind of my job to come back with a story. And there wasn't much of a story about a guy getting diarrhea on a motorcycle. (laughs) So, hey, Matt, is it time for us to take a quick little break? Yes, it is. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to take a short little commercial break. I'm going to Go uh, drain the lizard out, and uh, we'll come back with everybody's favorite segment, Roost or Endo. I know everybody's anxiously awaiting this. And remember, 
Uh, this is brought to you by Tacomoto. Tacomoto.co is the place you can go to get all the parts that you didn't get for Christmas. So with that, we're going to take a commercial break and we'll see you on the backside. What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. What is the Taco Touch? It's the best service in the industry. Virtually 24-7 tech support via email or text. And it's like having a dirt bike doctor on call every day of the year, helping you fix your bike or recommend parts or setups for you. If you've ever received an order from us, you know that the Taco Touch extends to our fulfillment and our orders come with the coolest stickers that you've ever had, uh, buying parts from anybody before and a handful of root beer barrel candies. Um, all of our Taco Moto Co. branded components come with a no questions asked lifetime warranty and we'll even extend out the warranty of other manufacturers, OEM and aftermarket parts where we can, sometimes for life. We test and tune endlessly and exhaustively and obsessively. We're trying to destroy everything that we can before you get your hands on it to look for weaknesses and to improve it or to make recommendations to the manufacturer. And if it's something that doesn't uh, meet grade, then we don't offer it on the store. Everything that we carry is something that we have personally used, tested, and ridden, and raced, and nose meets the, the high taco touch demanding standard. Go out and get some adventure. Back live on Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, show number 169, brought to you by Taco Moto and a host of other awesome companies. Tonight, our special guest, live from where? Where are you hanging out, Kendall? Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. You're not at, not in a sprinter van. No. I because I I was I was showing somebody our tracking system that we use for for stuff, and I pulled up your tracker and I couldn't find you. <laughs> because <laughs> you, you and Rick you were on my last list of uh, trackers from from uh, rally training so that kind of leads me into the uh, the next thing uh, no Dakar as a mechanic this year or a, a van driver or a support person what were you what were you a water boy um, I was a my official title the last two years was a rider helper and the year before was obviously his mechanic theory one. Yep. Uh, financially, it didn't make sense for me to go. And they're just kind of tightening down on the budgets a little bit. And yeah, the money just wasn't there. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, I've, ex I've lived the Dakar. I've experienced it. I've been there, done that. And so you need I to go, need to go, need to go on a bike. <laughs> yeah, I need to go on a bike, but fine. I mean, I'm super down to go help and I'm having FOMO right now a little bit because I'm not there and it's so exciting, but it's a lot of hard, hard hours and, and early mornings and late nights and yeah, it's a grind and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not my work. favorite, it's not my favorite country to be in personally. It's not a bad place, a beautiful desert, but yeah, financially it didn't make sense. So I just had to hang back this year, but I mean, yeah, I went riding with Ricky right before he left and we did the one last road book, send him off. And uh, yeah, still a huge fan and rooting, rooting for a Rick dog and the Honda boys. And and yeah, I'll be watching every day for sure. But he's got he's got Johnny with him. Yep. Which is uh, which is good. And uh, I think uh, I think he's in the best place he's been at the whole since since i've been working with them i feel like he's super strong right now yeah i mean if if you ask me who i'm putting my money on 100 i'm putting it on ricky 
hey, is there some place that we can bet on this? Is there? there you know who you'd have to ask is Ricky's dad. Yeah. He's all hip on this and gets the odds. I don't know if it's is it Lords of London or I don't know where what it is. Well, Lloyd's that's that'd be an insurance policy. So you'd buy an insurance policy on yourself. Or Kings, Bet Kings, or some some shizzle like this one. Yeah, somebody I called you the motorhome rally driver. Now, did you did you drive or was Johnny driving? So Johnny and I shared the motorhome and we shared driving tasks so like every tank of fuel or whatever we'd switch out because you know we wake up at four in the morning and we don't arrive to the bivouac you know until like lunchtime right maybe earlier maybe later depending on how long it is so yeah we just switch off and try to stay fresh and get some rest and take care of the motorhome and all these things so so the the cool thing about what you were doing is you if you needed to help with mechanics you knew how to do that yeah, I mean, if if that if if that scenario happened, I I definitely a good person to have around. But it's really important to focus on your job and what that is, and do that really good. And if everyone does their job, then nobody gets in anyone's way, and everything functions like a well-oiled machine, you know. Yeah. But it's definitely good to have experienced dudes that are like can handle many things, and you know, also navigate strange situations and get the get you know when you got tight tight gas stops for the motorhome or needing to find water somewhere or going in and getting food and yeah there's a lot of little details that people don't get to see behind the scenes that you know really could derail someone's day oh i'm gonna miss your uh, i'm gonna miss your instagrams <laughs> yeah it's good times but the, the chats yeah but you know it's funny because that's what you put out on the instagram is all the stuff where it's like good times here good times there but you know i i know because <laughs> i see you guys when you come back and i just know how burnt you are from that whole experience i mean yeah racing it's one thing but like there's a whole like the, there's a whole rally for everybody that's over there and i i honestly wonder I, you know, from like my mechanics, the first year, the first two years that I did it in 97 and 98, no, 90, 96, I don't remember. It was back in the day. Uh, my mechanic was in an airplane. So my mechanic woke up in the morning, uh, made sure I got on the bike, everything was okay. Usually went back to sleep for a little bit, then packed up, got an airplane, landed at the, at the, at the next bivouac. And they landed literally at the bivouac like that. It was always at an airport. That's interesting. I never heard it was like that. And my mechanic got out of the plane and he was there before I was. And he was just waiting uh, when I arrived and he didn't have all we had to work out of was our box. You know, the airplane box. They still have this. Like to the the only Malimoto guys have boxes. Yeah, they got a truck. They got a truck that. Goes but, from stop but, to stop and brings their box and sets but, it up next to their stand. Yeah, they have a box and a stand. So that's what the mechanic would have to work on until the trucks got there because all the parts and things were in the truck. So the mechanic would get there, you know, I'd arrive and then they'd tear the bike down, you know, he'd tear into it, see what he needed, and then wait for the truck to show up. And then sometimes that's when you go eat or whatever. And I just was working on my map book and, and stuff like that. But and then the, then they made the rule change uh, near 2000, where the entire rally was going to be the mechanics and everything 
were on the ground on the race course. And so you'd have, you'd have the mechanics My on BMW, my mechanics were in a really good car, like with, but instead of, instead of being a two seat race car, it was a three seat race car. And so they had to teach half of the mechanics how to navigate and a couple of them drove. And then there was to be a third mechanic in the car and then they would drive the stinking stage. And they, they rode this, they drove the same stage as us. And then they had to get out and be a mechanic. And that was yeah. gnarly. Hey, once again, when men were men. <laughs> <laughs> all, I, all I had to do is race this big, you know, this girl's bike that's <laughs> behind me. It's just like this little 420 pound rally bike with like 11 gallons of gas on it. But those guys, they, they never got to like some days. So when we'd arrive, so then when we'd arrive at the bivouac, we'd arrive and we had a press guy because the press guys were in the airplanes. And so our press guy, he was also kind of our map man sort of guy. And so he would help with like roadbook stuff, which we do. But a lot of times when we got there and we knew it was going to be a long day for the mechanics to show up, we'd take the bike apart and, you know, get it, get, you know, take, take it down as much as we could. <coughs> and they would, it was funny because they would, they would put, in the in the mechanics tent, they would fold up a mat for the for the so you could put the stuff on the bike and have an area to work on it. But they they had it, and then we we had our parts box that was always there. So you'd have to go get that, and you'd have your some stuff to be able to work on it. But you tear it apart, and then you just like tell the map guy or the media, tell my press guy, okay, I need this, this, and this done, and you go to sleep. And then you'd wake up in the morning and hopefully your mechanic had got there and he'd done stuff to the bike. And if, if he didn't, if they didn't get there, they would come and wake you up and go, Hey, you know, it'd be like three o'clock in the morning. They go, Hey, no mechanic today. You should probably put your bike back together. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, tr no truck. They, they say, yeah, I mean, they say, Hey, no trucks. Usually the mechanics would get there, but there was, there was a couple of days where the mechanics got there and the trucks never got there to the finish of the stage. And so we didn't, we didn't have much and they just basically put it back together and you, you had a set of wheels as well as your parts box. And so you put your wheels that were on the airplane on your bike. And then you just hoped that the truck got there before the plane took off so they could put new wheels back on the plane. So, cause you had a parts box and wheels. Wow. And, yeah. I mean, respect. Those are different times. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but everybody, like I said, everybody on the team had a job and sometimes, like you said, multiple jobs. And when, you know, imagine you, you, you'd have to, you'd be good at that Kendall navigating. Cause you can navigate. <laughs> you could be in a car <laughs> when they put yeah, all the, no. that, would, all the that would be a lot more of an adventurous job for like a writer helper, let's say yeah. <laughs> than what it is today. Uh, Eric Featherston says, uh, you mentioned the teamwork and knowing your job. Well, how is it working with the HRC, HRC mechanics and are they in the rally program only? Uh, yes. So yes, they are only in the rally program. They all, some of them have jobs, you know, when they're not doing that, but they're on call for when they got to go work for the team and yeah, it was a, it was an amazing experience. Um, I lo I love that experience and 
working with those guys. And I mean, these guys are passionate about being a mechanic. Like this is their dream to be a mechanic and they take it serious and they work hard and it's not a race because you know not racing your work on the bike because you can't make like rush a mistake or whatever. But these guys are so efficient and so fast, like definitely learn so much from them and just how to do things like smart. And and yeah, I mean, it was it was quite the experience to do that and to get the result that we got. It was it was awesome. But I mean, I come from racing. And I will say like the biggest problem I had with that job was, you know, coming being a racer, if you crash, I mean, that's racing. Better luck next time. But if you make a mistake on the bike as a mechanic, the mechanic is not supposed to make a mistake on the bike. Dude, and that is a bad, bad day. How stressful, how stressful were the last few days for you? Yeah, super stressful. It was stressful. <laughs> and yeah, again, like, you know, people can get people like if, 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 if an outside person steps in and gives you unwanted stress and you've got to deal with that and maybe you didn't sleep good that night because of that. And then the next day you're tired and, and yeah, I mean, you're just double, triple checking everything. And, but I mean, you get a rhythm, you get a system and, and you, and you follow your system. And as, as, as long as you focus and, and do what you, you know, follow your steps that you've practiced for, you get the job done. Just, just like, just like racing. Yeah. Way, and I mean, I'm just way. a very attention to detail kind of person and I worked on my own bike. And so I really have like a unique, it's unique for me because I actually have like man and machine relationship where I know what the bike feels like. And I know the bike and, and when the rider tells me things, I, I can, I can like imagine that what that feels like and what's going on. So that relationship, I think helped Ricky and I, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was a tough job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I remember, I remember just going into that. I was like, I was like, I know Kendall will be good because how serious, you know, like when, I mean, you're loose sometimes, but then when it's time to get serious, you get serious. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, wh and whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> if that's not much, I'm not doing it much really well. Yeah. But when there's a goal and we're focused, like I'm all in. Yeah. Like, that's I, 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 I want the result, you know, that's number one. And I'm willing to work as hard as I have to, to get that. And yeah, it's just, you're just constantly trying to find a problem or solving problems or addressing an issue before it becomes a big issue. Yeah. And as the race wears on, there's more of this stuff happening because it's such a long race. And I mean, HRC is so good at doing durability and figuring out the lifespan of a part, but there are some times where the race is a little different. And, you know, the stress it puts on the bike is a little different. And yeah, you're just trying to find something that's about to go or that is bent or is loose or this or that before it becomes a big problem. But it's all it's it's the amazing thing. And this kind of like goes back to like the regular guy, you know, someone's listening to the show or watching the show. It's like, yeah, but that's a that's a factory bike. It has all the trick stuff on it. 
And it, it, that stuff didn't just land there. <laughs> you know, they thought about it and they tested it and they tried to break it. They put it through the worst conditions. Like the testing is oftentimes more difficult than the, the, the race itself. And like you said, there's an hour meter on, on everything. Every part has a time limit. And when it times out, I mean, obviously you can keep going, but under those extreme conditions, when something times out, it has to be switched. Yeah. And it's it, and by timing out means it's not going to break tomorrow. It means it's, it's going to break in the future, but tomorrow is, it could probably go tomorrow and probably go the next day, but we're taking it off because there's a, there's a time limit. And, and whether it's like the same things where I've seen where they get something that like works a little bit better, but it doesn't meet a durability standard. And they're like, Nope, we, we're not going with that. You know, we can get a little more power out of this or we can, this has a better feel. And they're like, yeah, but it won't last. And then this is like, this is the kind of stuff that in the, a lot of times on the consumer side that you a don't see or B the aftermarket doesn't even, you know, pay attention to It's just like, Oh, this is better. And it's like, yeah, I mean, in this, in this style of race where it's 14 days and 8,000 kilometers, longevity is everything. And that goes across the board from the bike to the team, to the rider, just everything needs to make the distance. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big, uh, big undertaking. I'm, I'm excited. I can't, you know, I, 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 the only thing that stresses me out really about just the way that the rally in general is going is the fact that like strategy has become so much more important than it was just as far as I, I, I think you could kind of pick the wrong strategy and you almost have to go in with the strategy and then if that strategy doesn't work out, it can be really hard to undo that. You know, I think it was, it was two years ago where, where there was the big seesawing every day was back and forth. And like Ricky was on the wrong side of the, of the seesaw. Remember that? Yeah. And I mean, it's, that's such an interesting part of the race and being inside that team and having riders from different parts of the world that are different personalities they each one comes in with their own strategy and a lot of times the strategy is a lot different than their fellow rider on the team yeah and it's so interesting to see how that plays out for them <laughs> yep so yeah that starts on uh january second is the first stage maybe the first were they a prologue i think the maybe prologue on the first Something, uh, something like that. We'll see. So, yeah, it's coming up close. Uh, I think uh, uh, Jesse and Quinn are doing their Dakar Daily podcast. So, if you're listening to this and you want to learn a lot about that, uh, they do a really good job. It's called the uh, Dakar Daily podcast. Uh, it's, look at Cycle News. I'm pretty sure they'll post some stuff up about that, but pretty fun. Hey, this is we're going to get to it. This is our uh, this is our segment that you're uh, you've been waiting for all night. Uh, <laughs> <Kendall>. <laughs> this is this is Rooster Endo. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, a, no, it's called Roost Endo or for sale. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we kind of caught on to all of our boys here that are sending in their bikes for sale. Great place. If you're looking for a new bike, you know, a new used bike that somebody else owned. You can put it up for sale with us, and all you have to do is uh, Google or how do you uh, YouTube Matt some money, 
and tell him it's for sale and he'll put it up and then we'll talk about that bike and it might help you sell it instantly or it may just let it sit in the garage for a lot longer depending on uh, what we say but the more money you give matt through that uh that um youtube i don't what's it called matt what's super, the name of that super chat super chat yeah you super chat matt uh some bucks and uh we'll talk about it but we're gonna get right into uh uh roost endo or for sale oh i also forgot to call this show what it's called it's called tech talk taco tuesday and strippers because everything's better with strippers. <laughs> Episode 169. 169. Yeah. It should have been the stripper show. I should have proper. It could be. I should have had Matt host it live from Sherry's Ranch, just down the street. Hey, we, we can make it happen. We have the technology. <laughs> we can they they don't allow cameras inside, but we oh. could probably sit out in front. Yeah, there we go. We could just sit out across the street where we shot that one TV show and just shoot it right there. Yeah, yeah. When, it, when it warms up, we'll do it in the spring. Actually, we're going to do this. We just got to, you got to get Starlink first because the internets aren't that good. We got to get the Starlink set up and we'll pull up okay. on our dirt bikes and we'll do Tech Talk Taco Tuesday live across the street from Sherry's Ranch. How's yeah. that? And I, that sounds good to me. <laughs> then it would be Tech Talk Tacos Tuesday and Whores. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can get, we get beer afterwards too. With a pocket full of those beautiful green dollar bills, I think you can maybe even do it from inside. No, I don't think they allow filming in there. They, <laughs> they shot they shot a TV show in there. They closed the whole place down and they they remodeled. It was crazy. Hey, they hey, maybe maybe we can negotiate rates with uh, with the women there uh, to be the new producer. Uh, that's a slippery slope you're going down, Matt. Oh. Think you're gonna like you're gonna think you're gonna lose. <laughs> uh, but All if you right. want to go down there and do job interviews, go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. You know, I I forgot the name. What was I think? I think Crystal seemed like a nice woman. <laughs> oh, the but, the one you got the tour from? Yeah, yeah. They gave the George and I the tour. Right, right. Okay, let's let's move right along. All right. Roost or Endo? Do we have the, the Do we have the Rooster Endo music? We don't have the Rooster Endo music. He, do we have the Rooster Endo spinny graphic that looks really cool that says Rooster Endo and then boom, explodes? We don't have that. Uh, I I have After Effects now, so I can play around and try to make these, though. Producer Matt, uh, less, less pay. Next <laughs> show. Okay, go ahead. Let's, right. let's have it. First up, Theodore Lofstrom. This is a 2008 Yamaha TTR125LE. BBR skid plate, Racetech fork emulators. Psyker composite handguards. I like it because it's easy to ride. It has electric start, looks cool, and it runs all day. I see a lot of animals when riding it. We get lost a lot, so I thought I think a headlight would be nice. You know what else would be nice? A Trailtech Voyager Pro. Yeah. Because then you won't get lost. Then you'll know where you're at, Theodore. Uh, that's a... Uh, dude, I'm jealous. He's Okay, so he's got the BBR skid plate, which is huge. I actually tried to get a uh, Dwayne Brown to come Dwayne BBR Brown to come on the show. Uh, I'm going to get him on one of these nights because we've got some stories. The fork emulators are a great mod. That's good. Um, hand guards got to have those because you know never know when you tip over. Dude, that's such a roost. I've got, I've got one that's almost just like it, except I do have a headlight. And the good thing about the TTR is boy, 2008 is it electric start. Can we see on the photo if it's uh Yeah, it I'm has gonna... electric it has electric start. He said uh 
He said that's why he likes it. Oh, okay. That's right. I didn't, I was thinking about what I was saying, not paying attention <laughs> like usual. Mouth runs faster than the brain. If he has electric start, he can run a good headlight. And that would be good. So yeah. I have a headlight on mine. It helps mm-hmm. when I ride it at night. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Kendall? I think little homie's roosting. That's super roosting. I like yeah. that. It's awesome. Rooster me too. Nice and clean. Yep. That's a triple roost there, Theodore. Uh, and he didn't even he didn't even have to say that his dad made him send it in. Right, right. He, he did it okay. organic. He did it organically all by himself. It seems like it, although I'm gonna guess that his dad made him do it. But good dad, probably. So okay, so this next one up, this is Greg Miller's 2019 KTM 300 XCW TPI six days. He has a dual sports conversion kit from the True North Motos with fork wraparound blinkers and Takamoto tidy tail. Uh, sorry, titty tail with the moto minded <laughs> flex plate. IMS. He did. He did, he did. He did not call it a titty tail, although. <laughs> Uh, the, the guys that want to do the country song. Yeah. I, I wrote them back for that video we want to do. And, uh, they wanted to know if, if there was any titty tail in the, in the song. And I said, we'll put it in there for you. Yeah. We'll make it happen. Uh, IMS fuel tank, uh, which is 3.2 gallons, double take mirror, enduro mirror. Talk double take us. big sponsor of the show. If you would like a double take code, let us know and we will send it to you. Takamoto's fuel pump and fuel filter, get ECU tuned by Slavens with injector relocation kit, BRP handguard mount, Psyker handguards, seat concept seat, craft, uh, I think it's supposed to be craft moto, RC uh, full system, forks from your shock, Tusk radiator fan, Slavens high compression head, KTM frame protectors, flow f- foot pegs, pro circuit platinum expansion chamber pipe and FMF turbine core 2.1 muffler, Tubeless front and rear enduro engineering radiator guards, Maxis Desert IT front and rear tubes, rear disc protector from Bulletproof Designs, and it is not for sale. So I I have a question. Is he's it in the chat? It is in the chat. Okay. Mm-hmm. What what is what is it like to put a pro circuit pipe with a like an FNF FMF muffler? Is is that like you know when you take two magnets and there you put them yeah. to the <laughs> polar sides and you try to push them together? Is is that where we're is that where that's at? Like how does how does that work? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you can answer in the chat. Do you think do you think that he did the 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 proper level level of uh uh durability testing and uh you know to make sure those two parts go together? Well, I think he's testing it right now. Testing it right now. <laughs> no. Hey, you can, probably, tell, you, can, you can tell he's not Canadian because the silencer isn't bent and pointed upwards. Dude, he's chilly. It says so right on his bike. Oh, yeah, it's huh? chilly. Yeah. Not Canadian. <laughs> um, let's see. I got the pro circuit pipe, but I got the FMF. I like the pro circuit pipe, but I got the FMF. Is that that's Greg Miller? Is that yeah, Greg yeah. Miller? That's the guy in the. Ch- uh, 
I don't understand. <laughs> oh, he's in California. So he basically, I'm sure he needs a spark arrestor because Pro Circuit has the 496 spark arrestor, but it's not as quiet as the, uh, as the FMF one. Mm-hmm. Just uh, for, for, for note. Oh, uh, FMF was free. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, now it roots. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's okay. Somehow he's getting hooked up. Yeah. Uh, it's got a lot of stuff on that. What do you think, Kendall? I like that bike. I mean, that bike in general. I have yeah, one. I don't, ha- I don't have a problem with this bike. No. I mean, everyone's experience of riding is differently. And some people like to buy a lot of things for their bike. You labeled off a lot of things that he's done to it. Where, you know, we ride a stock bike to death and have a good time. Right. Put Mine's some, pretty put some mooses in it and call it a day, but mine from the air, you know, to each their own, you know, we each have a different experience and something we're looking for in the riding world, you know? Yeah. Mine from the air filter to the exhaust flange is pretty stock. And then I have a two yeah, high compression cylinder head. That's that scares me. Cause I get gas in a lot of weird places, <laughs> but honestly, I don't know. I don't have a problem with this bike. He's roosting all day. It, it, I'm saying roost. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice motorcycle. If you if you can't have fun on that motorcycle, seat concept seat, that's always good. Like that. Um fact that he's running some Takamoto stuff is good on that. I'm I'm happy with you. Okay, roost next from, roost remember roost. Oh, oh, you're roosting it too, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's you're not gonna roost. You're, you're not going to be like all like, I hate two strokes. You don't want to run that avenue tonight. No, no. I, I like two strokes. <laughs> okay. Just because, I thought now just you're, because I, I, just because I don't have a 300 anymore. doesn't mean I, I dislike 300s. Oh, I thought you just going to totally like KTMs. Cause you sold your Husaberg. Matt had a Husaberg. He, he had, he had a little Husaberg. It was a 300. He sold it. Mm-hmm. And uh, now he's all in two fifty four strokes. It's, He's all in on this. Yeah. And I thought he was going to turn code on us, but we'll see. Okay. Next bike. All right. This one, I, I like the picture right off the bat. Um, I don't. Da- Damian Lee, 2021 KTM 500 EXCF, get ECU, traction control, promoto billet end cap, desmogged, Takamoto slim headlight switch, uh, Kozo MX1 heated grips, moto minded dash, moto minded stout mount, double take. Uh, coffin mirrors reeds have been pulled out takamoto oil cap pc racing oil filter seat concepts xl comfort seat cherubis 3.9 gallon tank takamoto fuel cap bulletproof designs axle blocks bulletproof designs radiator guards eo suspension lowered 1.5 inches k-tech uh, orvs and forks moscow moto 10 liter bag e-line pipe guard a cherubis silicone exhaust guard axp skid plate Garmin Zumo XT, Ram X grip, cell phone holder, Cycro full wrap, HCM handguards, Bark Buster, Blizzard wind guards. That is that is the list. That's a list. Yeah. So what what year do we got? Say year make and model. He got he got all that stuff. I'm just doing I'm just doing my quick check over there. It's a lot of stuff on that particular motorcycle. What are you thinking, Kendall? I mean, I'm thinking that he likes to adventure ride. Yeah. And he's really tailored that bike to his needs. He's he's turned and I respect that. You know, he knows he, he knows what he's doing and he wants to ride it, you know, he wants to ride distances and touring adventure like dirt roads. And 
These are things that he needed. Where, and where do you think he, where does that photo taken? Is that, is that like, is that Montana or is that Idaho? Like those stripes in the hills are, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a, where is his license plate? Did it break off? He needs a titty tail. Oh, I think it did. Uh, I see his license plate right there, kind of right underneath oh, it's, the, the light. It's it's flat. Oh, it's, it's flat. It's for yeah. it's in case it's for the helicopter identification. It looks like it's either uh, Oregon or Alaska. Oh, it could be Oregon. Yeah. Hey, uh, Greg, back to your uh, bike is not for sale. So, like, let's just say if you were selling your bike right now, like, what are what are we talking? Like, how how much? Just checking. <laughs> um, I, I'm not a big I, I, I mean I like the photo because I want to go ride there a little bit but I want to drop off the side of that hill right now and go down in the canyons and stuff uh, but he's got a lowered bike so I, it's just the, the lighting is horrible <laughs> so yeah anyways uh, I, I'm, on, I'm on board with this you know, you know who's really jealous right now of this bike? Who's that? George. Is his uh, five hundred down and out right now? Uh, no, his five hundred is good. His his five hundred is uh, it's it's still there. But I think this guy built the ultimate George bike. Oh, because so, it's lowered. Yeah, it's got it's a little lowered. So George gets legs over it. Yeah. And then we can give then we can give him crap about having a lowered bike too. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, photo, no. photo was taken in Hell's Canyon. Oh, so it is. It's so he's either Oregon or Idaho, and that's where we wanted to ride the KTM 390s. That's where Logan and I were going to ride the 390s down through there, but we ended up going a completely different way. But yeah, that's a that's a okay. Good roost. Yeah, ro roost yeah, a lot of roost. Yeah, roost for me too. I respect yeah. this. Well, it's not my come, style, but I respect it. I think yeah, I might, no. might have the first endo here, though. Damian Lee is the guy who sent it in, but Tony Ewers, uh, you, you got a lot of different uh, things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, George was uh, saying there was a handbag underneath that. But anyway, this is Nick. Um, <laughs> hey, don't worry. Ger Gerardo on the uh, chat says, my seven-year-old is watching with me and just asks, what's a whore, dad? Oh. Um, well, Gerardo, what you're going to have to explain to him is no, is a whore is is like when you'll do anything to get your next dirt bike, then you become a whore. <laughs> <laughs> I I do it all the time with my wife. <laughs> I mean, like beg for a new dirt bike, like especially when the Hoosabergs come up on the 570 form used, then I'm I'm unstoppable. So tell him it's somebody that wants to ride a Hoosaberg 570. Then they'll do anything for it. So, <laughs> all right. Hey, hey, we click the button every time. I promise you, Heather. Every time we click the button that says "not for children," but it's okay. It's the holiday season, and they—they they, how else are they going to learn about this stuff? I mean, motorcycle stuff. You are so bad. I just got told I was bad. So thank you, uh, Gerardo. <laughs> uh, we're going to have Tech Talk Taco Tuesday for children. Uh, that'll be our next episode or segment or improvement <laughs> oh okay. jesus so nick uh bertram this is a 2020 exe f uh vortex ecu fmf 4.1 d smogged 
he left out uh he left out some big uh big mods there. Hey, some people like to ride out in the dirt with uh like cool supermoto tires mm-hmm. and supermoto wheels. And I'll tell you what, his wheels are cool because they're still blue. Because if they turn white, it means they've warmed up and they're no longer safe to ride. They've cooled down, kind of like the Coors Light can, right? Isn't that a thing on the Coors Light cans? Yeah. The yeah. mountains when they turn when they, when they turn, turn blue. Out, they're they're cold. They're they're blue. If it's they're cold if they're blue, right? Yeah. Hey Heather, the, the chat wants to know how is your knee coming along? It's okay. It's sore. It's, it's, sore. it's okay, Mark. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Uh I'm not the best nurse. Or 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 the or the best at uh, dishing out advice on how to explain bad words to young children. <laughs> uh endo. Endo for endo for uh you know it's it's not like you know we're we're dirt bike test and somehow we get a lot of supermoto stuff on there, but dirt and I guess there's a little bit of dirt and supermoto and stuff, but he didn't even really tell us too much about the about the bike. No, no. He, so he didn't list out all the mods, which is automatic endo. Mm-hmm. No, I mean not necessarily. I mean, if they can make it entertaining. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the 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 fact that he found a Coors Light truck to 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 put it, you know, the photo next to, I guess that's uh we should give him some effort there. The lighting actually isn't bad. The mm-hmm. good thing is, is that he actually positioned it in the proper light. So there. He's doing okay, but um, not my flavor of motorcycle. Although supermotos are fun, like on as long as you keep them off the dirt on a racetrack, then they're fun. Like a go kart track is insane. That bike would be insane on a go kart track, but it'll also do a nose wheelie, which leads to endos for most people. So I'm there. Where are you at with this, Kendall? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm go endo. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Again, I like Supermoto, but it's such a small part. It's such a small part of our discipline of dirt bikes. He's really limiting himself. Right, right. And how are those? The, the blue rims and the coarse light is something, but <laughs> the blue pipe. Oh, blue yeah, it's, oh, not, he's, it's he's, not for me. Yeah, he's got the blue titanium cold steel. But we did he did he even list that on his? Oh, he did list that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So next one. Endo there. All right. So next one up is gonna be Lindsay Smith. Let me get the photo up here, and then I'll start reading. Hey, John Buckwell has a question in the chat. He says, do you have any good KTM 950-990 stories? I recently rode my friend's 990 for the first time, and I think I'm in love. Huh. Let's see. So I was going down the 14 freeway after a long ride on my recently rebuilt KTM 950, which has south of 100,000 miles on it. And it started making this really interesting noise where it did a lot of clanking. And then it started, it became a KTM uh, 425 because <laughs> it was only running on one cylinder. 
And I'm trying to remember <clears throat> what happened to that. Oh, they forgot to put the they forgot to put the shim underneath the bucket when they reassembled it. It was reassembled in a training seminar for people that wanted to uh I wasn't I had nothing to do with it. The motor was away. It was assembled in a training seminar for um, technicians and stuff. And so I think in all the assembly and disassembly and putting it together, they forgot to put that back. And that made the valve stop working somehow or another. And I had a one cylinder KTM. So that's a a story for you, John. (laughs) I still have that bike. I think I'm in love because it's frame number zero, zero one. And uh, I should sell it. I should put it, I should put it on rooster endo anonymously and then tell everybody it's the first version and then try to sell it. So there we go. Okay. Next. What are we, what are we running here? All right. So this is Lindsay Smith. This is a 2018 EXE 500, uh, vortex ECU Scott stabilizer with sun mount FMF can on back Scott shark fin bulletproof chain guard, chain guide plate, a Cherubis tank and something else. Uh, that's literally what's in there. Uh, Pro Cycle Wraps, WP4 cartridge upgrade, and more money thrown in suspension than I want to know. Ultra heavy duty tubes as I uh, as locked in my ways. Seat concepts for big ass. Some Prairie, Prairie Dog MC graphics with uh, for the 50th anniversary of the club. Cyclops light as Baja Designs no had no inventory. Uh, gotta go. Time to ride. So he he rushed he rushed his entry because he's got to go riding. Uh, if he's a prairie dog, then he's he knows Trevor. He's a Trevor Hunter fan. What is that side cover? Oh shit! Does it, does it talk about that? Let me see, I mean, it says a Cherby's tank and something else. I wonder if there's something else is that a Cherby's tank and something else. Yeah, I don't know. He's. It looks like it looks like he has a some sort of a billet um, clutch cover. I guess that's what it is. Oh. And uh, more money in suspension than uh, he care. Who who's doing his suspension? Who's making all that money? <laughs> that's what I want to know. The uh, huh? ILM. Is that what's on the forks? Oh, Fine Line Moto. Yeah, shout out to Fine Line Moto. They're usually they usually uh, waste a good uh, couple hours of their work week uh, playing this uh, podcast in their shop right now. So nice. They should have got it right the first time instead of charging them all that money. <laughs> hey, if you want to talk about something that's picky about you, can be picky about it's suspension. So right, Kendall. Yep. Yep. What Mark. do you, what do you usually do to your suspension? Like, let's say, let's say, um, what do you, what do you, what's your current, what are you currently riding right now? What's your bike? Um, I have a 450X, a JCR Honda 450X. New, new one or old, new one or old one? It's, uh, I think they're 19s that I have. Okay. And then That's I have, so, so uh, I have a CRF 450RX. But it's a it's a twenty, so it's the dual pipe one. But I, honestly, I really like that bike. Yeah. So the the X, you so you've got good suspension on it then. Yeah, it's pro, it's done by Pro Circuit. So Bones and and the boys, Luke over there, 
we go testing out with them every once in a while and got a pretty decent setting that we enjoy riding. So pro- probably much more aggressive than stock. Yes. Yeah. The off-road X is definitely set up for Heron Hound style stuff. And then the RX is full moto. Yep. So how much time do you spend messing with suspension? Suspension and chassis take a minute to get right. And I'll mess with it until I find it comfortable and where I want it and what I'm what I'm looking for. And then I pretty much just run it. Do you, do you kind of have a go-to, like a setup that you, do you have, is there like a Kendall Norman base setup? Like if you sent your stuff to pro circuit, they kind of know where to start for the, yeah. If you, especially if you set up, if you sent them the old, old X suspension and you told them you wanted the Kendall Norman hair and hound spec. Yeah. They'd definitely dial you in with my go-to setting. So, but so is, testing how, is infinite and you always can make it better. Right. How close is your stuff to what Preston was racing with? Um, I mean, I think you could throw a blanket over it. Obviously we're different weights. I'm a little heavier. Yep. And so I'm going to need a little stiffer dampening to go along with my stiffer springs. So, but, so Lindsay sounds like he's, uh, yeah. I mean, going back to this bike, I think I'm going to have to give it a roost. I mean, SoCal desert prairie dogs, it's got some unique parts that are like, I don't see often people buying for their bikes. So yeah, it looks I like gotta go. I, I gotta roll with this one. And it looks and, like a pretty stout dual sport bike. It looks looks nice. Yeah, the 500 is a nice riding bike. Um, I don't know. Big compression seems to bottom out, so maybe that's why they put so much money in suspension <laughs> to keep keep it up for those big hits. But I, yeah, I have a like I I can literally take any KTM suspension off and I can send it to my buddy George over at ESP, and it'll come back. And I don't really even have to tell him. He always tells me, oh, you like your stuff so stiff. And I really don't. I like it really progressive, which I think kind of means so I can live with the stock initial, but then I want it to kind of ramp up, especially at the end, because I want safety. You know, I want to be able to slam something when I don't want to slam it, but I have to slam it. Yeah. And And I feel like that bike just in stock trim is so much more forgiving than what I'm used to with the, like the Honda aluminum chassis. Like it's so much more forgiving. It, it, it's so much less harsh, but you do need it to hold up when you hit, take a big hit. And so, I mean, yeah, you want it stiff enough to handle that. And because it's more forgiving just from, you know, being that bike with that chassis, I mean, think you can handle a little bit harsher initial and it wouldn't even be as gnarly as uh what i'm used to yeah and and that's and like last on last week's show me and trevor were just we kind of just we started out okay but we really started going we just shot the video for the the x versus rx or x rx comparison that we were working on and you could just tell we just started like going downhill and it was all because I remember really remember when we very first rode the X, you guys raced it in the mint 400. Yeah. Like, like literally a couple days later. And I was all stoked on the bike. I was super up on it, but that bike hasn't changed since then. And some other bikes have. And I was like, God, I remember when I really liked this thing, I could just hop on it and ride it. And now I can hop on it and ride it. And I want to change some things. So it's, it's funny. I feel the same way. Like it's time to like get in there and, and really, really get some new settings going. Yeah, yeah. And so, anyways, uh, Lindsay, yeah, good job on t- 
tuning but, the uh, suspension a lot. I think that what, one thing I'll say about Lindsay's bike is that that shock without the linkage is super good for like enduro style trees and whatnot. I, I can, I can wheelie logs and not have the thing hang up and just blow through it. But Oh yeah. Fast <laughs> desert. It doesn't like those big compressions that we come across. Oh, you got to try my setup. Come on, Kendall. Yeah, yeah. Come on, so bud. <laughs> the, there's an infinite amount of settings that can go into it. I got a setup. I got a. I got next time we're out riding because you know that's my when I'm not riding the Husaberg 570, which I, I mean, if I know I'm going riding with you, I, I'll. It's the only bike I want to pull out is the Berg. <laughs> I just because yeah, it's so much fun just roosting away hey, from bird, you. Like bird is the word. <laughs> okay, uh, roost. Lindsay's bike roost. That's a yeah, full roost. All right, last one. Okay. Should be Zachary. Uh, here we go. Zachary Co- Costilla, 2021 300XE, 9 millimeter uh, clutch master cylinder for wider clutch range, FMF gnarly expansion chamber, SXS skid plate and handguards, P3 carbon uh, pipe guard and clutch cover, revalved my own suspension for enduro slash hard enduro. A Cherubis VSL headlight, V force. That's the headlight. That's the that's the that's the Jose Cuervo of headlights. <laughs> that's Not, it, and and he could tell us right now if he was in the chat how that thing works. He could give us a third opinion. Moto seat gripper seat, uh, bulletproof designs, brake rotors, TS TPS guard and swing arm tab protector. Sweet uh, and a sweet two hundred ninety three hours on the clock. Almost all single track ridden with a few AMA hard and drill rounds on it. Wow, that's awesome. It's still running after 293 hours. I thought they wore out at 35. I, I thought you pretty much had to throw them away. This <laughs> and this thing gets used. But look at that clutch yeah. cover. <laughs> no, it looks. It definitely looks used up. Uh, I I like I like this. This is a this is a this is a well used, uh, ridden dirty and put away wet <laughs> uh, kind of machine. You know what? You know what I really liked about it is is when he said he changed the uh, master cylinder. Like that's somebody that is going to do something. That's not going to get you any special looks at the track and nobody's going to go. That's trick. But when you ride it, you go, Hey, how come this works different this way, that way. That's a pretty big, that's a, that's a, that guy's on in tune with his bike. I'm going with the roost. Yeah, it roost for me, especially for the hard enduro stuff. Yep. Yeah, he's definitely tailored that thing towards hard enduro. And I feel like he's done a really good job. And one thing I really like and want to point out is that he's got uh, really solid hand guards, but they're not the aluminum wrap around, you know, take away all the flex out of your hand bars style. Keep uh-huh. it light. I mean, yeah, I'll give the guy a roost. Hey, when I when I wrap my my wraparound handguards onto my flex handlebars, by the way, Kendall, flex handlebars, a good sponsor of this show. I use their mounts that the whole the whole handguard and everything flexes. So I don't have any of those problems. So fast company flex handlebars. Uh definitely uh if you want to keep the flex in the bars when you got the wraparounds, that's the the way to go. Uh, Matt, you, you said it, Roos. I said it, Roos. This Roos. This is a, what is it, four out of five or five out of six, Roos? Yeah, yeah, five out of six. I threw in an extra one just because uh, last show of the year. 
a last show of the year. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to have, we're not going to bang out like four shows for the new year's and then go on vacation for a couple months. Uh, no, no. <laughs> okay. Well, here, here it is. This is the time Kendall where we get to decide who gets the hundred dollar Takamoto award for the bike that gave us the most enjoyment. And I kind of have a, I kind of have one that I like, I, right when I saw these, I kind of picked one. And, uh, what do you think? Wait, do we get to uh, like review, just see the photos of the bikes again? Uh, we could do that. You want to, is, is that is possible? That, how, 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 how much hair pulling out is this going to cause Matt? Not a whole lot. For you? So not a lot. Okay. No. So I remember bang. the last one and I remember the first one and I okay. remember the dual sport one. Right. So we don't, we definitely, bike. we don't need to put the endo up there, the Coors light bike. So we can just, yeah, yeah. That. So, light bike so, right. And you said, so Kendall remembers the first one, the TTR. So here we're going to go. This one's Damian Lee. This is one of the dual sport ones. Okay. I remember that one. Yep. Okay. And then let's see what else. Greg Miller was the 300. Sorry. Every photo. Those are some nice. Those are, those are some nice trees, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> So this one was uh, Greg Miller's 300. Okay, yeah, that was the first one. Uh, and then we had Lindsey Smith with uh, the suspension mods. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. That's that the just... desert. That's the desert donkey. Yeah, uh, I don't know where, where that just disappeared to. Um, we'll that's okay. That one. There's the Coors Light one that we can skip over. This is the TTR 125. That's my pick. It's your pick. That's my pick. And then that, I, I was going to, I was going to send you a picture of my TTR 125 just so we have it to show how rad that bike is. And there's no way that I'm only picking them because it's a Yamaha and the Yamaha is a really good sponsor of the show. They make the amazing TTR 125 that mm -hmm. every year I take to the monkey crow trail ride and monkey crow is a trail ride that I do with my buddies. It's a hundred miles on like 125 CC bikes, give or take or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, mine, mine might have a BBR kit in it. So I might have a couple extra CCs stuck into the cylinder, but uh, the, the, that bike is very reminiscent of that. And every year I take it and, and Kendall, you'll, you'll understand how this works. I slay all the guys on their XR 100s. Just, they can't even compete because my TTR is so awesome. But I like the TTR. I'm on team team blue right there. Blue crew. So my vote's gonna be for the last one, uh Zachary's uh three hundred XC. Just because that 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 bike's getting used. He's probably gonna have a use for that hundred dollars pretty soon because he's doing hard enduros. He's gonna be breaking stuff all the time. Yep. Uh and yeah, that that's just I, I like three hundreds. Even though I'm a two fifty F guy now. I don't like his graphics. I mean, fair, but I like, I like that he's doing hard drill with it. Yeah. 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 Kendall? I'm going to, I'm going to agree with Matt. I'm going to definitely go that direction. And I definitely agree. The graphics, probably his styling could use a little bit of help. He should hit up the boys at era and have some new graphics designed. But, um, I feel like this guy really captured like modifying his bike for the task at hand. Like what he yeah. used the bike for, he really got some you know, good, good quality parts to help them conquer hard enduro. Yeah. You're, you're going to take money away from a kid yes. who is forced to write 
that by his dad. His dad, you know, he, he didn't give his dad good photo credit for getting hey, that photo. It was a tough, it was a tough, it was a tough call. Uh, you know what? It's two to one and you guys win. So uh, <laughs> Zachary Castilla, you are the winner of this week's. You gave us the most enjoyment, even though some would say that that's not the best headlight to put on your bike. Although I like it especially for a, a budget conscious guy who's going to spend money on a slave cylinder for his clutch, as opposed to, you know, getting a whole bunch of new graphics, but yeah, good job. Yeah. So reach uh, out to me, Matt, Jimmy Lewis, Right. And we'll get you hooked up and, uh, and we'll see maybe if Mike, Mike is watching this show, he can reach out to Theodore to uh, see if he can hook him up with some Yamaha stuff. Yeah. for his <laughs> for his bikes um uh gregory editor says i'm going with miller time <laughs> i didn't see miller time any place i think so. Greg miller is is miller time oh, okay okay must be one of his must be one of his buddies or something yeah, yeah. yeah george you know if george wants to make a donation to the guy that built the ultimate george bike uh he can he can do that <laughs> <laughs> so okay well, uh, hey, Kendall, uh, thanks for uh, coming on the show tonight. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. I really enjoy uh, your show and what you're doing for the sport and really sharing your experiences with everyone and your knowledge. And you make uh, you make our sport a better place. I hope so. I try. It's years of experience. I've forgotten most of the stuff, but I'm still trying to learn. We need to go riding. That's what we need to do. It's uh, coming it, soon. I, hey, so... I'm getting freed up from my nursing duties here pretty soon. And I looked at the forecast and there's a lot of like those half inch rain days coming, which means a foot of snow. And so the way you hit it, powder day on the mountain, the next day is a wet day in the desert. Oof! It just rained an inch here today. So I'm Jones. And yeah, we're getting a little bit out here right now, but uh, it's a little dry in the desert at the moment. It can use every gallon that it can get out there. But anyways, thanks, everybody, for joining in. Another great show. We'll be back probably next week. It's looking positive for uh, the first show of the year. Uh, I've got a lot of people who have told me they want to come on, and they, they usually want to come on, and then they bail out at the last minute. But thanks for Kendall for stepping up tonight, holding the show down. Uh, Thank awesome you guys. photo. My collarbone, my collarbone's a little, let me see which one. Hold on. Let me look. Yeah. It's this one right here. That's I still feel that every time I put his car seatbelt on, <laughs> you know, I never broken a collarbone. Uh, it's, it's no big deal, but it's not something <laughs> you want to do. So, okay, everybody, uh, we will, uh, see you out in the trail. Cheers. Thanks.